Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thank you again for listening to another podcast on Talk Architecture. I'm your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqub. This episode is a continuation of the previous episode on the design thesis, which is a crucial year for the graduating architect. The design thesis is something that I would like to talk about because I have been thinking about this ever since I did it in 1990. I am not joking. I've been always interested in this year because it was a significant event for me. And I find it to be the most fascinating year in all the ed- architecture education of a person taking architecture course. What I would like to talk about is similar to what Haruki Murakami was trying to talk about when he said he talks about running. He runs marathon and in this book, What I talk about when I talk about running, he describes how running is important and how it is associated with him writing his novels. And this is what I'm going to do. In this episode, I am going to talk about what I talk about when I talk about the the design thesis. It's not about architecture education of the five years, but it's that particular one year. Now, I could talk about architecture education, but that is too, shall I say, general to um, be not focused as much as what I would like to say with regard to design thesis. And I think this is the right time after considering all sorts of conversation that we have had with various parties, fresh graduates, uh, professional architects, and we will continue talking about this really, but there is one foregone conclusion about how the design thesis need to be need to be approached, need to be done. And that is to collaborate with someone from the industry. Well and good, one would argue that um, the academic is good enough. But academic now um, is focus on the key performance indicators that his or her or the university imposed on them and every waking hour, every day, working day at least, or working time, they are reminded of that, of writing journals, of supervising students of getting more 
postgraduate students to supervise um, administrative work, which is secondary actually, but it's more to do with um, getting grants, uh, getting projects. That is the work of the academic, and that is their preoccupation most of the time. The dis- the supervision or the coaching of the student of architecture is, um, shall I say, down at a packing order. It's least prioritized. Now, of course, there are exceptions, you know, but this is the norm. The norm is that the academic has other ambitions. Coaching or supervising an undergraduate, or in this case, a master student who's doing um, the professional course or the, um, the course that it will take them to be a professional is down there at the level of the least priority. And when it's the least priority, there is limitation to the academic being able to collaborate with the student. Now, these, this episode, if I'm going to do it like Haruki Murakami's book, I mean, this is not a book, but the way that he talks about it is he gave a scenario on how he came about to be running at the beginning. And um, then he ran in marathons later on. So it has to do with um, the kind of focus that he had to have um, when he runs marathon and kind of practice the kind of pain. You can have pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. That sort of uh, mantra, oh, sorry, that sort of um, quotation that he he got um, in the book was something that intrigued me. But what does that have to do, that term that quote have to do with architecture, education. It has to do with the mentality. The growth mentality would be what we want student of architecture to acquire and anyone to acquire, actually. The growth mentality is that there will be challenges and how you face this challenge. Challenges is important. There will be pain. Pain in terms of... Um, uh, pain is something that's uncomfortable, yeah? Something that everyone could experience. It is part of human nature to feel uncomfortable with something and then how to deal with being uncomfortable to get happiness and fulfillment at the end of the day. You don't want to keep on suffering with the pain and that's one of the worst things to do. So that's what... Um, Haruki Murakami wanted to explain when he talked about running and 
in his context, running um, has all sorts of pain, but uh, not to suffer means you have to have that discipline and the belief um, to engage with your mind and body and and in this respect, the focus on achieving it, the whole thing, the magic, the just is, you know, will make him able to do running again and again from day to day. The day to day is of importance. So if we are to think about the day to day and learning and enriching ourselves and not getting stuck, in, as, in essence, design thesis that one year could be hell for a student of architecture. It could be that there is no energy or the lack of energy or lack of ideas, getting stuck on a problem. And uh, someone from the industry who is understand what a design thesis is. Someone who is interested in academia, fresh, you know. They're not bogged down by... It used to be that academics are not bogged down by um, architectural academics. It used to be that architectural academics um, in the tradition of many schools of architecture. We like to refer to the AA during Alvin Boyarsky's time, or maybe even now in many schools of architecture all over the world. We have people coming from the industry interested in teaching, coaching students of architecture. That is very fresh. That is, there is some sort of, a sense of balance there in terms of the coaching. You know, it's not like tedious or um, you don't want someone preoccupied with other things um, and not about architecture and designing. We used to say that the academician must be a designer. Okay, if the academician is allowed to practice architecture, that's not many. That's not many at all. And if it's not the priority of the university, the university um, does not understand that architecture lecturers need to be in practice, then, you know, it's a dilemma. It's something that is a problem, a problem that needs to be rectified in the academia, in the academic world. So this is the most obvious thing that we notice in Malaysian schools of architecture and why architect look we was mentioning about in Malaysia there is no paradigm shift there is no looking at this there is no urgency to look at this now because i was interested now we're coming to the part where I'm going to talk 
what I talk about when I talk about design thesis. That was a long introduction just now. I'm trying to put context in so that what I'm going to say next makes sense. I've been interested in design thesis since the 1990, when in 1990 to 91, I did my design thesis at North London Polytechnic. And the title of my project was the Quranic Studies Institute. I was into Islamic Sufism and was reading a lot of on that. And I had my own personal spiritual journey then. And I always had a pen, um, <clears throat> a passion or a penchant to institutional or educational buildings. So that's the building type. And I found a site. I had to justify um, relocating that um, the existing building on that site because the site is very suitable to my experimentation or the required size of the building. They did not specify North London Polytechnic. They did not specify exactly the size, but we knew that 2,500 square meters and above would be um, good enough to do a design thesis. So after several searches, I found that is the best site because it's a site where people walk from the tube station to the region's mosque on the way, the site is on the way in between and that area Although there's quite a residential presence in that area, you know, the Regent's Park area. Um, There are shops and commercial and institutional buildings as well. I kind of like that area. And uh, after much search, previously there were other sites, one near the, what do you call the, um, the London Eye. At the time, you don't have the London Eye, but... The festival, you know, it's kind of a long time now. I'm trying to remember, you know, at the bank of the River Thames. Was it Thames? Okay. And um, there were several sites that I was debating. And I knew that the site has to be quite institutional. But um, we had supervisor system then... What I'm trying to say is that the design thesis made an impression to me because of many things. It was not only about completing the project, but I had to deal with my personal life or my living condition at that time as well and my relationship with my housemates um, and encroachment of space by um my housemates, family, and and how I had to deal with all those emotions and um, what do you call it, inconveniences. At that time, at that age, uh, my late 20s, you know, we, we have our own emotional journey or 
other issues to do with relationships and um, really I all I needed to concentrate is on the thesis now that is quite common I mean a human being doing a design thesis having to cope with other issues in their life and those are also part of the challenges apart from the obvious challenge of finishing the design thesis but I also had an architectural challenge or trying to identify myself as a designer. And this has been something that I recognize is happening throughout all the years. I started since I was 18, doing the diploma course in Malaysia and continuing my architecture journey as a young adult in my 20s and culminating in finishing my part two at the North London Polytechnic. So the design thesis is kind of a pivotal moment where I kind of gained confidence to want to do architecture practice after that because I was looking at my identity as the architect. But when I returned, after the design thesis, I did one year, but the problem was there was recession in London and I did not do architecture practice that normally people would do. I did more of interior design for a branding company, a design company. So when I went back, I suppose that this is a bit of a setback. And when I went back to Malaysia, I tried to get into practice, but I think my momentum was a bit lost and um, and uh, it didn't turn out well um, the, the practice that I was in and I just but also in the back of my mind I wanted to be an academic so in a way I'm that population a percentage that did not really pursue traditional architecture path but always was a dilemma for me right until even when I, um, in my mid-30s, when I finally decided to be in academia, but the sort of academic that is practicing as well in academia, it was easier then um, to to um, do so because there's less emphasis on university ranking. And what's happening now in academia is... Coupled with other things, other factors make it much more difficult for a person to be interested to maintain themselves in architecture course. Because there are also statistics that, you know, when during my time, um, 60% would end up pursuing the traditional architecture route. But during... Um, certain batches, people who are in the ages of 35, when they they recollected their batchmates, um, maybe 30% or less actually pursued the traditional architecture route. So in the last, in the previous episode, I mentioned about the percentages based on what Word of mouth or, excuse me, 
um, based on what we perceive to be the the percentages of how many people end up being um, in the architecture industry and the the usual route. Um, And we quote it as 30%. And the sizable one goes into the periphery. So in order to teach those going through the traditional route, then you need to have people experiencing that, like the industry, people come from the industry. So the design thesis being after four years, you start on a one year of a journey in discovering yourself. The sort of person who is coaching a design thesis student is someone who knows that the discovery, the learning of a a potential graduate architect is crucial at that moment in a way that they're creating a momentum of, of being interested in that identity as becoming an architect. Obviously, not necessarily everyone will be the architect, but that potential, that thought has been in their mind. So we're giving, um, we're giving, what do you call it, uh, dignity, no, we're giving uh, a presence, we're giving the chance to nurture that possibility that that person will be uh, pursuing the traditional architecture route. I have, we have seen um, very good student at that point doing a design thesis uh, that had enriched them because it's proven that it had enriched them and they found themselves. But later on in life, at age of early 30s, they decided to take another route because life circumstance uh, does not guarantee that you're going to be taking the traditional architecture route. Now, um, personally, I've always been taking the traditional architecture route. I've always been interested in design um, as practice, not design as just an academic exercise. It's my viewpoint that eventually those who are are my students would end up being taking that route. I did not coach anyone to be a generalist. I did not coach anyone to be a filmmaker or interior designer or anything else. Now, when you talk about interior designer, that is still to do with design, obviously. But no, this is this is this is an exact path. This is the path that people go into architecture industry being the person that is leading the uh, consultants team. This is not, I'm not talking about the subsidiary or the other uh, other uh, industries that is relating to the architecture industry or the smaller industries such as, or the accompanying industries such as interior design. I'm not talking about that. So when we coach someone who will lead the team, will be a leader in architecture, 
This is exactly what I'm saying. So in design thesis, in beginning when I was teaching in where I thought in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, um, I did not get into be into being the design thesis um, coordinator. It took a while in my um, experience in the university in the School of Architecture before I actually get to be one. Um, it was after I did my PhD. And that means uh, around 2008. In 2008, it's like something about 11 years after I started teaching in that university. And after my PhD, I became a design thesis um, coordinator. And we usually have about three people from the industry in our team. And um, straight away, I saw the necessity. I had to assume the role as the design consultant. And because I was still, in a way, practicing design, but not in the full traditional way, but with different projects I was doing, um, I saw the need for the student to gain confidence. And the way we did, conducted design thesis at that time, um, with the... Um, what you call agreement of the team of like of studio lecturers or tutors. That's me as a full time lecturer, and we have a team of um, uh, three other lecturers, and including Kevin Mountlow with two others. Uh, there's usually no other full time lecturers. There's only me. And I have been doing that since if whenever I uh, whenever I'm involved in a studio at the design thesis level, uh, whether it's 24 people or whether it's 10 people, because let me explain from 24 to 10, 24 was the number of student intake at that time for Bachelor of Architecture Part 2. And I dealt with all 24 with the help of the team of tutors who were external architects, who were architects practicing in industry or architectural designer. And uh, we went through every single student's project. And it is not really easy to do so, um, having to concentrate on two days a week almost the whole day looking at the students presenting and commenting on it. And also there were times when it was desk tutorial or crit, desk crits. But after, in a 14 weeks long semester, um, we would have uh, studio pinups and in interim crits. So meaning that um, maybe f maybe four and four. So 
out of those eight, 14 weeks, eight to nine weeks, there were days that were full. Now, it's quite intense. So then we came up with the formula of concentrating on themes and particular sites later to get the learning done. Because the learning needs to be done. And at the design thesis, we need to tweak it so that it is a design thesis project. Uh, you can't have uh, students doing the same site usually. Um, not that I can think of any, you know, in a year, you don't usually, there is no student using doing the same site. Uh, I said for one year, I think, and that was a problem. That was experimental. So what transpired was in this particular university, when I first came in, before I became the design thesis tutor, in 1997, when they started the, mass, uh, the uh, part two course, yeah, the last two years uh, with the fourth year and the fifth year, they had uh, people manning uh, the design thesis from who are practitioners who are clearly they were on contract uh, as a full-time academician but in reality they were practicing outside they were good at their job and the students um, were suitably uh, were in an atelier sort of uh, situation where they were learning from them one way, one approach. Um, they were coach on taking specific sites and specific typologies. In my opinion, I'm trying to recall exactly what was it. Students of architecture will, co will come up with their topic and the group of architects come academicians coach them to a certain style it was also stylistic for that 97 98 99 2000 i think around 2000 2001 um they were not teaching at that level anymore, the group of architects, come academician, it became more of um, this. The it is not stylistic. It's not like the agenda is very specific. What sort of design? Later on, they were still maintaining that the students find their own topics, and uh, people from industry comes in and. There's still debate, and it continued when I was the design tutor uh, for the fifth year design thesis, and we continued with that. And eventually, in the year 2016, after it became a Master's of Architecture course, um, there was it was split into units because we. We um, 
we uh, what do you call we receive or we allowed more number of students. Previously, it was like maximum twenty four. Now it becomes forty something, maybe forty five. So there are three units usually in the design thesis here. The more number of students being um, the intake is more. The school had dabbled with supervisor system where the lecturer, uh, the academician is coaching the student. I don't know why this belief comes from um, that academicians, full-time academicians are, are good enough to supervise students of architecture. And if they have a part-time lecturer with them, the latest was, they call it, the lab system, and still academicians interested to be in the design thesis, but they say they're interested, but they're not, because the in theory, everybody could do it, but when it is practice, the effect is not as, as what one intended it to be, because simply there is no practice experience the practice experience, the person with the practice experience is fresh, you see. They come, they have a lot of ideas because they're not encumbered or uh, drowning in trying to do ISI journals or publications day in, day out. They come from the industry where um, they're doing the practice and nitty-gritty of the industry. So they are really wanting to share or to facilitate um, the student of architecture to explore their own story, to explore their own um, uh, research in terms of um, design thesis. So if you have like one academic and one practitioner together in a unit, in a unit you have about 10 to 12 people. The academic is leading the the. Um, the unit would be a disadvantage, really, uh, because um, it becomes too much form formulaic, too much uh, based on guidelines, too much based on requirements. Whereby we know that um, you don't coach students of architecture with some military position or maybe, you know, with like a bureaucratic angle where every now and then you're reminding the student to follow the rules, like, oh, make sure your building is two stories. I mean, this is not conceptual. This is not, this is limited. This is tying them, handcuffing them literally <laughs> Okay, metaphorically at the back, you know, their thoughts are strangled. I mean, you know, this is very uncomfortable and to say the least. So we'd want the student to be able to, within the structure, explore and be having the freedom to uh, learn more and more. And if you have the practitioner, there's two of them, right? The academic and the practitioner. If you have the practitioner 
leading um, in terms of visioning for that unit. Um, how we're gonna, you know, what are the um, they they know the practitioner like Kevin Martlow, he's he'll he'll mention to the student, okay, we we got to you know whatever it is, we got to follow the rules. You have to have a certain height of the building, and you know, okay, you could be you know they would have to think about it in that way, but they are free to lead and and see. Um, because it's to do with con- concepts and designs and it's to do with something that the practitioner has encountered with in the past a lot, like master planning or uh, it has to do with housing or it has to do with um, different sectors, you know, um, uh, or it has to do with... Um, design detailing or design problems in practice. So the academician experience, their experience is limited because I'm talking about myself as well. My experience is limited. I would not be wanting to lead a unit. Now, it didn't... I could lead a unit, but it's limited in terms of the student's enjoyment. Because it's always better when you're working in a team and the team works very well. So this idea to limit the students' enjoyment in in pursuing their desire to discover more of architecture is very, shall I say, evil. I mean, it's diabolical evil. It's like, why? Because this is the best time for them to explore in the fifth year when they're not encumbered by technical projects. The reason why this particular school decided to have the technical projects of high-rise and housing in the year before the design thesis was so that the design thesis could be something to be explored. And the enjoyment of being collaborating Another thing is when I interviewed um, the Kampong Krinchi batch, especially, and also the PJ Old Town batch, after they have graduated, whether collaboration is, is a good thing, and all of them said that collaboration is a good thing, and um, from the range of 50-50, meaning the students... Uh, independently worked on the project 50% of the time and the other 50% is in collaboration with the group of tutors or 70-30, meaning 70% of it is independently their work. So it's never they less, you know, they're never less than 50 that they work on it. So the idea that the student work 100% on their work and just receiving a little bit of advice, it could happen. But how happy are they? Because the students said that they're very happy at 50-50. Because this is a process of learning. And they learn from the industry players. They learn from the architects practicing outside who want them to be architects. 
So fifth year, you've committed to going to Master of Architecture Part 2. You've decided that you want to be an architect, whether or not you will later on is something else. But a journey is not <coughs> cast in stone. It's, well, if it's a stone, it's, it is a, like a geolog geological formation of uh, human character, how they processed and there's a lot of fire in order to change. A, fire, a lot of fire needed to change. A lot of energy needed to change someone, obviously. So different students have uh, different constituents or consistence or... Uh, well, consistency is one thing. Constituent is another. Or ingredients. You know, each student is made of different stuff, basically. So... I would like to conclude um, this um, this this uh, episode, which is um, what I talk about when I talk about design thesis. Um, maybe this is part one. So thank you very much for listening. Um, time's running out. Take care. <laughs>